I go out in the, the woods with Salvo. But a couple of nights ago, the Prime Minister came on TV and essentially put the whole country into lockdown. So I'm kind of furtively looking over my shoulder to make sure no one is uh, no one is watching. Of course, we're allowed our one permissible bite of uh, exercise a day, so I suppose this counts as that. And I suppose the, the one thing to be said for it is that it affects everybody. We're all in this together, as another conservative politician once said. We're all equal before this law, aren't we? Well, unless you're Prince Charles or someone like that, of course. Somehow he managed to be exempt from the, the lockdown for some reason. But it's that idea of being equal before the law that brings me to the theme of what I wanted to talk about in this quarter, when this uh, section of the four uh, episode series that we've been doing, confined to quarters. The idea of being equal before the law, the idea of equality has a long convoluted history, of course. There's been an enormous debate over the years, over the centuries, going back millennia, I suppose. What is equality? What do we mean by equality? Do we mean equality of opportunity? Do we mean equality of outcome? Do we mean equality in some sort of a vague sense that we're all equal as human beings? Or as the resonant phrase of the Declaration of Independence uh, puts it, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and so forth. It's a resonant phrase, it rings after all these years, this great ringing endorsement of the idea of equality. But if you, well, first thing to notice, there's already a dissonance, I think, from, from our perspective this far on in history. All men are created equal. It's, of course, as a piece with the time, the thinking of the time, it was men, man, the male, wasn't just one gender among two, and by the way, in those days only two. The male also stood for the universal, the standard, the, the norm, from which everything else was a bit of a deviation. So all the women, rather, as we noticed in the last program, uh, the women were rendered invisible. The, just like Adam Smith's mother, just written out of the account. But that aside, there's other dissonances which we might be able to detect, I suppose. If the author of the uh, Declaration of Independence, who presumably wrote that ringing phrase, was himself an owner of enslaved Africans. So, and indeed he sold a few at times, you know, when he was short of money, he sold a few, which means he actively enslaved people. You know, if you sell a, an enslaved person, you're selling them into slavery. So there was that. There's also, I suppose, the his relations with the um, indigenous peoples of America, the American Indians, as they would have been known. He wasn't the worst. He wasn't the worst slave owner either, I suppose, by the standards of the time. He was more benevolent than most. And he did seem to regard uh, 
uh, uh, indigenous Americans as equals to those of European descent. But nevertheless, he enforced what was called a civilization program, which basically meant that you had to assimilate if you were an American, uh, Native American, American Indian, you had to assimilate to the Euro-American way of life, or you would be forcibly removed from your land. You know, in other words, pushed out by means of violence. So that brings us back to the, the theme of the previous episode as well. So that great ringing phrase about all people being created equal, um, it doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. There are dissonances there that we can begin to hear. So there's contradictions, possibly within the concept. As I said, it's a concept that's had long history of debate, a convoluted debate going back. And not just about the definition or the scope of the idea of equality, it's also about the desirability. The Prime Minister I referred to earlier, Boris Johnson, also, before he was Prime Minister, was on record as arguing that against equality, he thought that if you pushed equality, you would end up disincentivizing the the gifted and the hard grafters and rewarding people who were you know, less gifted, less hardworking. And therefore he thought, uh, he thinks, probably still thinks, I imagine, that a little bit of uh, inequality is no bad thing. But what does that mean? What does a little bit of inequality mean? How do you measure inequality? Again, like many of the terms that we're looking at, there's it's a sort of an abstract it seems to be a bit of an abstract concept. What? How do we make the idea of equality and inequality a little bit more concrete? Well, luckily, there's an example quite recently in the news. Last Friday, Friday the 20th of March, uh, EasyJet, it was reported, had gone looking f- to see about getting uh, government support you know, during these hard times, the crisis unfolding around us and has been a bit tough on airlines, so they were looking into the possibility of getting support from the government, from public funds. In the same breath, they were also, they also confirmed that they were going to go ahead with uh, giving out their, the dividends to their shareholders. They were going to give it £174 million in dividends to their shareholders, including some £60 million to Stelios Ajiyuanu, their founder and biggest shareholder, £60 million. So that was quite a pay packet to be handing out for an airline who was at the same time going, looking into getting uh, public support to bail them out and keep them going over this crisis. But that wasn't the end of the affair. A few days later, the papers were quoting Stelios with his 60 million sticking out of his back pocket, presumably, who was urging EasyJet to not only to cancel orders for new planes, but also to sack workers in order to cut costs. It's a somewhat staggering example of the, the kind of inequality, quite a concrete example of the inequality that we're sort of feeling around here 
but uh, it's not quite concrete enough for me just yet. I think what I like to do anyway when I'm thinking about big numbers, big numbers like 60 million, is try to convert those into distances so that I can get a sort of a you know bodily sense of of what the difference between the 60 million and the, your, your ordinary, your average punter, the, the sort of people that Stelios was recommending to lay off. So let's imagine there's a couple of cabin crew or uh, attendants, flight attendants, working for EasyJet. Now I poked around a bit to see if I could find out how much people on EasyJet earned. It's quite hard to find concrete figures or exact figures, but I'm going to, not quite arbitrarily, as you'll see in a minute, pluck the figure of 17,000 out of the air. Let's say a cabin crew member gets 17,000 a year. That's within the right sort of region, within a few thousand pounds of accurate, I think. So this member of the cabin crew meets another member of the cabin crew. They get together they get married, they are going to start off on life together, they've got an income, a joint income of £34,000 a year. Right. Now, how do we compare that against the £60 million? Well, as I say, I like to convert these things into uh, distances to try to get a better sense of things. So, let's say a pound equals one millimetre. 34,000 34, millimetres is 34 metres. And this is why I've chosen that figure out of the out of the blue, as it were. 34 meters happens to be the length of one of the Airbus jets that easy jet usually flies. So you can sort of picture one of their their jets to give you a sense of the what 34,000 looks like. On the same scale, what does Stelios's 60 million look like? Well, if he were to get into one of his own jets and fly up. If you ever step outside, if you're allowed to step outside, you'll probably see... Hang on a minute, I've got to sort out a situation with the dog. Okay, sorry about that, we're back. And I was saying... Oh yes, the 34 meter jet and Stelios's flight. If you step outside, if you're allowed to step outside, have a look up. And you see a jet going over and it leaves a, a trail of vapour. They usually do that at about 10,000 metres. So you'd have to fly up in your jet to that height. And maybe get into another jet and fly up the same distance above the first one. Then get into another one and fly the same distance again. Get into a fourth one. Fly the same distance and then into another. And then into a sixth plane each 10,000 meters above the other to get to the 60,000 meters above ground level that represents Stelios' uh, dividend packet on the same scale as our couple uh, their salaries represented their joint income is represented by the length of the, the Airbus I think that helps us to get a much more concrete grasp on what that particular instance of inequality looks like. I think 
it's not the only one, of course. You know, there are many other examples of uh, stark and, you know, almost unimaginable. Actually, more than stratospheric. I was going to say stratospheric, but but actually the, the stratosphere ends at 50,000 uh, meters, 50 kilometers up. So you'd have to go 10 meters, 10 kilometers beyond the stratosphere to get to the position where you could represent those two incomes on the same scale. So possibly that gives us a slightly more concrete sense of what the inequality looks like. But the interesting thing is that I think anyway, during this crisis, we are starting to see these matters being re-evaluated. How do you value the contribution? You know, if you go back to Boris Johnson's argument, we want to reward those who give the greatest contribution. How do you measure it? Well, if you measure it in terms of money made on the market, then, yeah, Stelios makes a packet. The other way to look at it is what's happening all around us right now. We're in the middle of a crisis. Who are the people making the greatest contribution? It's the doctors, it's the nurses, it's the orderlies, it's the porters, it's the delivery people, it's the people stacking the shelves. Because you walk into a supermarket now, the shelves are bare. We've got people on minimum wage stacking those shelves, overlooked for their whole lives. Suddenly we're in a crisis and everybody wants toilet roll. So the people who are stacking the shelves, it suddenly has become clear that their contribution is all the greater. There are administrators sending out vital letters to people who need protected from this illness. There are posties who are delivering those letters. We're starting to see a revaluation of the contribution that different people make precisely because we're all in this together. So that's my reflections and ramblings on equality. I'm going to see if we can make a bridge to looking at the idea of democracy in the next and final episode of this quartet.